Hey guys, welcome to episode 16 of Next on the Platform. This week I'm joined by Max Sheetha. Uh, Max, I'll let you introduce yourself, man. Uh, hey, I'm Max Sheether. Uh Got like a training total of like 1905 in sleeves. I'm around 300 pound body weight. Uh, I'm 18. I guess my most notable accomplishment is I'm tied for uh, the heaviest deadlift under 18 ever done in competition. Um yeah, that's me. And that was at your first competition, hey? Uh, no, that was my fifth competition. Oh, fifth competition. For some reason, I thought that you had only just started competing recently. No, I've been competing for a super long time. Oh, okay, man. So you you must have got into it relatively early then if you've done five comps. For some reason, I don't know why, I thought last year was your first competition. I must have read something wrong. Uh, did you read like a bar bend article? Yeah, maybe something like that. I can't remember. They uh they like got all my lifts wrong. It was a uh, whole debacle. Uh, but yeah, no, I've I've been uh I've been powerlifting since I was like thirteen. I've been doing it like a super long time. And and you must have got into that, I'm assuming, because of your older brother. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my brother was like a really good boxer, and he was trying to go up a weight class. Uh, so we started like going to our like local YMCA, and then I wasn't doing anything. I was kind of like a chubby child and was just playing call of duty all day and so my parents forced him <laughs> to drag me to the gym and then i uh i just it became like the first thing i was ever like half decent at and i was like i'm gonna do this this is my whole thing mm. well i mean yeah man i can tell him in, in the genetics you and your brother have got something serious going on um but getting into it so like he just sort of essentially showed you the ropes and and that's where it started so my brother also like didn't also didn't have like an idea clue of how to train when we first started he like looked up like lifting weights and found like a west side video and like threw his feet uh-huh. out to like the edge of the rack and like squatted high and then like i just like maxed out my bench over and over for like six months i think when i was mm-hmm. like 12 yeah man that's how, that's how everyone gets into it it's funny that your brother um used like a west side thing to get into it because now like and and it's kind of reflected by how I see you guys train. Like you wouldn't usually see most powerlifters do overhead press, or you know, like it's reflected in in your training styles. Um, the influence that he had on you, obviously, a great influence. But like getting into powerlifting, what did you sort of go through? I know like everyone goes through the process of, or oh, like you said, maxing out bench all the time, or this and that. Like run me through it. You got into it like when you were like thirteen. You said. So I like started like going to the gym occasionally when I was like 12 and then my brother started working at like a powerlifting gym, like just like a local one and they were having a competition and my brother was like, Hey, you should like come do this with me. It was actually worlds for like a bum federation. So my first meet was actually a world championship. Wow. That's, uh, that's you're probably the first person in the world to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely a really lame accomplishment. <laughs> but, uh, so I like started prepping then, like I got a pair of knee sleeves and a belt and then, uh, just I was coached by my brother for I think like seven or eight months and my brother was like hey I have no idea how to program uh probably go hire a coach um and so I hired uh Winston Tom who's squats and carbs on Instagram he coached me for I think like nine months and then I started getting coached by my brother again and then I've been coached by him ever since yeah and your brother um you actually know you and him run you guys coach together like you have a because I came across a page and it was um people that are coached by you or something like that? Uh, that's just dudes that are coached by my brother. My brother oh, has okay, a pretty yeah. large coach, like yeah. client-based. Uh, okay, because I thought that would that was like the both of you. Um, and so obviously like you training style, you ended up in the uh, untested federations and like you don't, obviously you don't compete in the USAPL. 
where was the choice to not, or what is the reason to not swap over to the IPF federations? Uh, I've won USAPL nationals. Oh, see, I must be yeah. very, I must be very uninformed, but now, cause I see you guys using the deadlift bar. So I just assume. Yeah. 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 So that you don't compete in the IPF currently. What are your thoughts on that? And like, how come you don't do that anymore? So, um, I've like bounced around a lot of federations. Like my first meet was AAU. And then my second meet was USAPL. My third meet was also USAPL. My fourth meet was, I think USAPL nationals. And then my fifth meet is, was the USPA one. So I've only ever done two meets outside of the, uh, I've done more USAPL meets than I have any other fed. Oh, well, my apologies, uh, man. Oh, no worries. Uh, and I was drug tested at my USAPU. PA meet because I had to piss in a cup after. Um, uh, I'm gonna be honest. We like bought a deadlift built bar and it was a lot of fun. So I just was pulling in my basement. And we're like, hey, I'm pretty close to this record. Might as well just take a shot at it. I'll probably do a USAPL meet in the next like year or two. Yeah, because that's what I came across. Your you and your brother was last year in lockdown when you were lifting in the basement and like you obviously had, you peaked in some form and like you might've been reposted a couple of times by some accounts. I remember seeing you and I, and my, I looked at my phone. I was like, nah, there's no way this kid's natural, but you actually competed in the U S APL and been tested as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've been tested, tested my last three meets. Mm. Yeah. No, but I, I, I get the whole, oh. you, you get it a lot. Oh, I literally, I've been getting it constantly since I was 15. I hit like a really big squat when I was 15 and ever since then I get like constant, like you're not natty. And like, I don't really care. Like I'm probably not going to be drug free forever. I truly do not care if I, people think so or not. I mean, yeah. I mean like eventually swap over and, and go the untested side. But yeah, I can imagine that quite a few people would accuse you. Cause like even people who, I mean, cause the whole stigma is like the deadlift bar federations and those sort of things. It's like untested. It's like, you just go there if you're untested and obviously that's where all the untested people are. So if you are there and you, for example, like what you're doing right now with training on the deadlift bar and probably going to compete in the USPA or something else. Um, I'm probably going to do a USAPL meet and a USPA meet uh, when I'm 19. Yeah, so like the whole stigma is like, and same with the federations in Australia. It's like if you compete in one of those federations, that you probably are unnatural, and and it's kind of like the only reason to go there. I mean, but I agree with you. I just enjoy pulling on the deadlift bar, and obviously you do as well. Um, but yeah, I actually didn't know that you competed tested at all. Yeah, I uh, I've just been competing tested just because like I'm I'm natural for now. Uh, I might as well. I don't know how much credibility it gives me because everyone's like, you daw, you can dodge the tests. Yeah. I don't know what motivation I'd have to do that. I'm like a broke teenager. I could like, it's not like I would have any less popularity if I was like, I'm on drugs. Mm. I, I mean, would the, just get a lot less shit. I don't, I don't know anything about steroids, but I can imagine it's pretty expensive. And as a teenager, like who can afford to do that? I mean, especially if you're at college or whatever, like I'm at university, I have no money. I don't have any money for steroids. Like even if I wanted to. So it's like as a teenager and I don't see the motivation to do it anyway because you're nowhere near um, genetic potential. Yeah, yeah. I think you could run like base test for relatively cheap, but also like, I don't know, man. Yeah. As a teenager, I don't I don't see the motivation to run testosterone. I mean, if you, uh, you should have plenty of it, just wait until you get older and then when you run out, maybe, maybe hop on when you're like 30. But yeah, um, so like... Obviously, you train, and like you just said, you're trained around 300 pounds, was it? Yeah, yeah. What is it like 
living and training at 300 pounds because I'm like just over, I'm like 240 and things like um, trying not to rip my work pants or, you know, some sometimes I sleep wrong and like crush my shoulder because I'm quite heavy. What is it like being 300 pounds and, and doing like daily tasks and shit? Is that hard? Um, I've got like a pretty big frame. So like I'm relatively comfortable at 300 pounds. Like I'm certainly a lot more comfortable than most people would be at 300. And also I've like built up to that over five years. Like I've just been like slowly gaining weight over that five year period. Mm. So like, I've like been acclimated to it. Uh, and I was significantly less healthy when I was at like 160, like before I started lifting. Mm. Um, so I don't really know what life would be like if I wasn't like slowly gaining body weight and muscle in the pursuit of lifting weights. So it kind of feels natural for you. Yeah. It's just like kind of everything I've ever known is just like, slowly pushing body weight and like maybe pushing it too far having to sit there for a while and then like uh right now i feel really good at 300 i feel like probably better than usual and i mean i think i would have to assume if if i was 300 pounds if other people were it would feel like pretty bad like because not everybody is made to be that heavy and like how how tall are you i'm six one yeah okay so like you have the frame obviously yeah you have the frame for it and you came from athlete athletic sports in the background or something like that was it uh field events uh so i actually did zero sports before i started powerlifting <laughs> except like i did like kids soccer for like two years and then uh i just like played a lot of skyrim and ate top ramen and then i started lifting and then my junior year of high school i uh like 11th grade I did shot put for my school, did that for a year and a half. And then, you know, that kind of ended once COVID hit. Yeah. And so, so that... the field events were only like a thing that was happened like deep into my powerlifting career. Uh, okay. So the, I was going to say, cause if you came from field events, probably already pretty strong. And then you come into um, powerlifting, but it was actually the opposite. Did you, if you could keep doing field events right now, would you, and like, I would assume you would have some sort of like national record just based on your lifts Surely, if you went to field events, you'd be pretty good at them. Um, I was, like, pretty good. I would certainly look so far from any actual, like, real accomplishment. Like, I got, like, I think one or two D1 offers, uh, which is, like, the higher college level. Um, but that was, like, more just, like, you're super strong. I bet you have a ton of potential, mm. more so than, like, me being, like, a crazy good thrower. Um, yeah. Mm. So it's kind of like something that you just sort of did for fun in the background. Yeah, it was like a bunch of my buddies were doing it and like I didn't think it would be a detriment to training. It was like, hey, I'll probably just like increase proprioception if I do like anything that's not lifting. Mm. This will probably be like somewhat productive and it's like low impact. So like I'm probably not going to hurt myself. This just seems like a fun thing to do. I agree with like the proprioception thing because if I go and like, because I just powerlift now as well, I haven't played sports in about five years. If I go and play other sport, I'm like completely not in control of my body. Like if I went to play like uh, soccer or football, whatever you call it, um, I would be completely lack of control. I would have a, such a hard time like running and moving and stuff. And I agree, like um, I'm not going to do it now, but I think down the line, I'm definitely going to try to, although it might impact my gains, play a little bit of sport in the background just to stay healthy and like increase awareness of movement and stuff. Um, because I think, uh, and, and I see it like people get too caught up in lifting and they don't like, um, move in other ways. So yeah, walking during the day and like it stuff is fine, but after a while you might need to swap it up and like take some load off, you know, even if it's just to like go for a run or 
you know, volleyball or whatever it is, like swap up, take some load off, learn to move in a different way and then come back. And I feel like that's a good way to avoid injury as well over a period of time. Yeah. I, I think like doing things that are like not as you get stronger, the risk level of like various things like increases. Mm. Like if I bust it out in a full sprint, there is a very possible chance of me tearing my hamstring because oh. like I haven't practiced running in a very long time. Mm. I would get awful shin splints at bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, so it's like easing into things, but like I think having like good like neat like uh, is a very very productive thing for powerlifters. Dude, if I went for a sprint right now, I guarantee that I would tear both my hamstrings. There would be, it would be a <laughs> catastrophic injury. Like, um, cause I, like you said, I've been like increasing body weight over a period of time as well. And I went from like started at 65 kilos. I'm, I was 110 this morning and my, like back when I was 70 kilos, that's when I played soccer. And so I was fit and stuff. And then I got up to like 106 and then at the end of last year, I played a game of soccer at my university with one of my mates and it had been 35 kilos since I played, right? And so I go on the field and I still think I'm that 70 kilo dude from back in whatever and I'm actually 105 and it was the most just insane experience ever. Like I underestimated how unfit I was because I truly was by far the most unfit person on the field and it made me feel like one of those old fat injured powerlifters. It really did. And I'm only, I was only 18 at the time and it was kind of like a shock to, um, cause yeah, I can move well in the gym, but then I go and do some other sport, which is ultimately better for your fitness in the long run. And I actually move horribly and it feels horrible. It was kind of like a shock and I'm, you know, I still have, I'll probably compete as a 120. So it's, it's kind of scary to go up so much weight and, um, not pay attention to your like cardiovascular health as well. It's funny because like I wasn't athletic before I started lifting, so like the fastest I ever was was probably at like 120 kilos. Like I was really quick for being 120 kilos. Mm. I wasn't like fast by any means, but like for a fat dude, I got like I was pretty quick. Mm. Uh, that is, and then as I was like, quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like. Uh, I like when I like first started, like, uh, like I joined the track team to do field events. They like, there was not a shot put coach. So they were like, Hey, you're just going to be sprinting with us for a while. So I just like ran the hundred meter for fun for a while. Uh, now I would never do that. Cause I think I would tear my hamstring, yeah. but, uh, I was like pretty quick. So like I've gotten more athletic as I've gotten heavier, which is kind of a weird, not normal thing just cause of like how unathletic I was when I started. Well, I mean, like you're, I would assume that you're pretty powerful and, and I want to talk about like the way you train and stuff in a second, but, um, I'd imagine, yeah, the extra power from like squats and shit would have made you faster to an extent. Um, I came from track as well. Like I was an actual, uh, I used to compete just like, like a pretty low level, but track, you know, outside of school sort of track. Um, and I was a high jumper as well. And I got faster um, without training because I was powerlifting. I got faster until I was about 90 kilos and then it sort of dropped off. But yes. I I have like a build of a track athlete. So I should have been a sprinter or I should have been something else and done training, but I decided to come to powerlifting and ultimately I um, probably would have been a better track athlete. Um, but yeah, so like I, it was fun to have that background and do other sports as well. And it kind of gives you a pretty good idea of like, what you're good at and you know if i ever get badly you know if i ever have like some detrimental injury i'll probably go back to track or i'll go back to soccer or something like that um but yeah 
And um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, your training. And so a lot of the things that I see on Instagram is like different methods of training, right? And so I see people doing really hyper-specific stuff. Um, and those guys are mostly IPF competitors where it's like very, very specific and and, and that sort of thing. Um, but with some of the training you do, uh, for example, like the overhead press or uh, I've seen your brother do like a seated overhead press and just those sort of things that I don't typically see uh, in lifters. And I want to know your opinion on, of course, there's the whole debate about overhead press doesn't improve bench. Uh, I think overhead press is a great movement. I think it's the hardest movement to do. So I think it's the most impressive. If you have a big overhead press, there's like really nothing more impressive than that, right? Um, but how come you guys both program that and what's your idea behind training that sort of different style? Um, so there is a whole argument for uh, like the over at press helping bench or not. And I think part of that is like how you bench. Like I have a pretty shoulder dominant bench because uh, my bench isn't like wildly technical uh, and like always trying to improve it. But like I, I've incorporated a strength of mine. And so I'm going to train the thing that's I want to like help my bench. I also think like not training a major muscle group is like a bad idea for increasing injury risk. Like if you're just horribly weak in like one plane of movement, that's like a very scary idea. Um, regardless of whether or not I think it's gonna like instantly impact you. Um, my brother also wants to do strongman, So that's part of his reasoning behind doing it is like, it's a major thing in strongman. Uh, I also just really enjoy doing overhead press, which is probably one of the more, I guess real reasons is I just fun, have fun doing overhead press. So I do overhead press. Um, and also it's an accessory to my bench press. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I would, I personally don't do it. Um, but I would love to do, I can't do it cause I train at home. I would hit the roof. Um, but I would love to do overhead press. I think it's a good movement. I think despite the fact that, uh, some studies have shown and some people say that it doesn't improve, improve bench. I mean, it makes your shoulders stronger. It makes your shoulders bigger. And like logically, although it's a different plane of movement, it's vertical and, and bench is horizontal. It's like, if your shoulders are bigger and stronger, how can your bench press not, you know, like it's a pretty like, and I, and I know there's certain ways to execute the overhead press. And if it's like, if you think that doing a seated dumbbell press is good for shoulder hypertrophy and that'll help your bench, why would an overhead press, like a standard barbell overhead press, why would that not improve your bench press? I think people tend to get a little bit too technical with it and, and it's like, oh, they're looking at the plane of movement too specifically or like the how the shoulder articulates and the different movements. And it's like, if it's going to make your shoulders bigger, it's probably going to make your bench stronger. I mean, that's the, yeah. lo that's the logical way that I can look at it. I mean, yeah, stuff. some exercises don't correlate specifically to other exercises, but it's like, it's a general thing, I think growing your shoulders in any way like it's not going to be any worse than some other be like bench accessory i uh the other thing i've like noted in my own training is narrowing your grip on overhead press has had a significant like higher carryover to my bench i think if you have a like a really wide or at all moderate wide grip on your overhead press it's like you can get far or farther away from a bench uh like carryover that's just something i've noticed in my own training um, but like my goal is to be strong at the moment. It's not to be like, 
hyper max out my like uh like leverages and stuff it's just i want to be stronger i'm like very far from the point where i'm like all right time to like dial in every factor to like uh maximize where i'm currently at i just want to have a bunch of muscle and then i'll figure it out then that's a great way to look at it and i completely agree with that um especially with younger lifters it's this whole movement of like hyper specificity and i spoke about this with alan shui on here it's about like as a teen as a young lifter unless you're like top level and so like and of course you are and you could be like super competitive for your age like say say for example me or other lifters it's like if you're not going to be the number one or if you're not even potentially going to be top five right now in your age weight whatever why not just dial back the hyper specificity focus more on hypertrophy and then when your time comes then increase the specificity on SBD and drop the hypertrophy in the background. It's like building this base as a team gets so overlooked and there's so much uh, hype around like doing comp lifts four days a week, five days a week, when in reality, like you're not going to be, like you're not Alex Sador or you're not you or, or Aiden Roder or anything like that. You're not going to be even top 10. Why not like build hypertrophy prevent injury, get the basics down pat, build a good base, and then in two years or whatever, however long it is, when you're closer to that number one spot, then focus more on the specificity. I think it's it's overlooked the importance of like an off-season or just hypertrophy in general. And I talk about it all the time. I just posted something about training your accessories like you're a bodybuilder. I think that's so important. Like As soon as you're finished bench pressing for the day, pretend you're a bodybuilder. Hit incline dumbbell with like good range of motion with good time under tension have like it do it for 45 seconds like you know what i'm saying like and i think i you you reflect that even with some of the accessories that i see you do um where it's reflected in that and and that's a good way to train yeah i think uh, a lot of people get like a misimpression on instagram because like i don't really post my accessories almost ever but like my day is like i show up and i do like my comp movement and then i just do bodybuilding work regardless of the day that's almost most of like that's at least half of my training day is just trying to build muscle hmm. um also uh on your point of like guys focusing too much on uh like age stuff i've got a very my like hot take of the day i think that's one of the biggest problems going on in the usapl right now is guys are focusing on being in a lighter weight class to be competitive and it's gonna mess up their future career the number of dudes who i think are like 72 kg who absolutely should not be 72 kg you should not be thin and lifting weights at like a high level just build a bunch of muscle and you'll be infinitely more injury resilient and you'll have a higher peak i mean dude look at russ Orhi. that dude is an 83 kilo lifter and have you, he's built like ronnie like that dude is insanely built and he's an 83 so it's like if you aren't five foot six five foot seven there's a pretty good chance you won't be an 83 you will probably be a 93 and it's not like right now obviously some dudes are underweight but eventually like your your complete potential might be like you know there's some dudes like who can i know a guy who competes as a 105 and he's like five foot eight five foot nine so it's like and he's built well. He's not fat. So it's like, don't, I don't understand the whole movement of, I'm going to stay as an 83. I'm going to stay as a 74 or whatever. And it's like, but dude, you're not even like top five. You're not even top 10. Why don't you just put on muscle and move up a class? And, and maybe then when you're like, you just said, 
you'll be more injury resilient and you'll have a better base. And it's that whole idea of like training hypertrophy. It's size equals strength. And, and it's like people will hold back their, almost like hold back their potential just to keep their ego, whatever it is, like move up and, and be unimpressive for a while in that weight class. And eventually when you have that good base, you'll be impressive and it'll probably pay off in the long run. Yeah, I think even if you are top five, I like I don't care about like age records or age uh, like uh, nationals or like really anything of that sort. It's not like I think that's a really like dumb thing to get hooked on too much. I feel like you too many guys are like I want to be like the best fifteen year old. It's like try and get strong. That should be your goal. This is my bias, obviously, as like a three hundred pound dude. But like, I don't know why you would do this sport and not want to be like just really strong. Mm. There's like a whole and yeah, I mean, it's cool to have like this and that record. But I feel like unless you're like 18 or older, people don't care about your records. Like I'm in my head, I'm thinking about like, for example, Alex Sador with the the records he'll probably set at this next meet or whatever. And it's like he's probably the youngest person that anybody actually cares about their records. Like 18 if you can name someone under 18 right now, like name like two people with under 18 records that you know of and like, can you? Uh, me? Yeah, and, other uh, than yourself. It's tied with me. <laughs> okay, so exactly what I mean. It's you and somebody else that you're competitive against. So I couldn't name that person that you're talking about. I have no idea who it is. So it's like... Oh, I should probably know his name. <laughs> and I'm pretty like well-versed in like teenage listers and stuff, obviously, because of the podcast and I'm very involved with it. But it's like... If, if you can't name it for yourself, why would you go for it? Like, obviously, you just got it because that's where you were at the time and, and you're still getting stronger now. You're obviously not holding yourself back. But it's like, as a teenager, yeah, it's cool on Instagram and it's cool to put in your bio, but really, people only care about the opens. In powerlifting, in the powerlifting world, it's like people only care about open records or, or at, at most junior. No, I don't think people really care about sub-junior records or like collegiate records or anything like that. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. And if you have one, fantastic. But don't hold yourself there. Don't, don't you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, for, let's hypothetical, don't cut six kilos as a sub-junior to get that last record before you, before you move up to a junior. Like, what? there's no point. Yeah, I think the, like, the number of dudes that are like, I am I say this as someone who has fallen into the strap many times. I don't mean to come off as like some dude trying to pitch himself as like a higher being. I absolutely have been hooked <laughs> on like stupid sub junior records every time I competed. Every time I'm like, this is the one that I really want. But like the issue is like I've never cut weight because I don't like it's I do mm. I don't think I need to for my 13 year old state record. Like I I think it's like it's a silly thing to do when I would much rather just get stronger and do it at the weight class above. Mm. And like, I'm not saying everyone needs to be like fucking fat. It's just like fill out your leverages at least. Mm. And like, that should be your first goal and then get really like mid start like optimizing from there. Yeah. And it goes the other way too. Like, for example, me, um, because I'm tall, I knew from the start I had to fill out a frame. So I did a dirty bulk as most teens do before they get informed about stuff. And I put on like 15 kilos in the space of a year. And now I've had to go work backwards to like improve my body composition. And yeah, it's, it's like, I only have to eat in maintenance and over a period of time, I'll lose body fat, gain muscle. It's a pretty simple concept, but 
in hindsight, I wish I took it slower. Because, like, now I look in the mirror and sometimes I'm like, oh, I look fat. And it's like, fuck, you know, like, I should lose some body fat. And, and that's just simply because I was putting on fat and putting on more fat than I was muscle in that bulk. And obviously, like, I didn't have my macros right and my principles right. And if I had to do it now, I'm sure I could do it better. But when I say don't hold yourself back in a weight class, I do not mean move up a weight class in three months. I mean, move up a weight class in eight months or a year and do it right and do it with, like, there's no rush. You don't want to have to move up. Say, you don't want to do what I did. You don't want to move up too quickly and then have to work backwards to drop body fat. And, and I know a lot of people have this down pat and they do it right. You want to move up slowly so that you move up with mostly muscle and it's not fat because then you don't want to have to work backwards. But that's something I wish I didn't do was come up faster. Um, I wish I had it done it slower and was more sensible about it. So yeah, I want to preface the what I'm saying, like don't hold back your weight, but also don't go crazy with it because then you'll have to probably take a step backwards. So you have to find that happy medium in the middle. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I've done the same thing. I jumped from like a 93 to a 105 in like two months. Easily the worst, like so unhealthy and bad. Like I hit some good PRs. I was a worse lifter for it. That was a bad decision. That was not a good idea. Mm. And then I just had to sit at that body weight for a super long and wait for me to like readjust and like recomp at that body weight and become like actually have like muscle uh, and not just gain 30 pounds of fat and balance off my gut. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But like, yeah, I think it's like, I, I think this all comes down to like, I think a lot of dudes are too like eager. Like it's like, it's, you want things now, like, I'll gain 30 pounds this month and I'll be way better. Or like, I'll like cut a bunch of weight and I'll be like way better. And it's like, the goal should be 10 years. Mm. Like, just look at what would make you a better lifter in 10 years, unless you're getting out of the sport and then like you do you. Uh, if you want to, if you're planning on quitting it soon after college or whatever, feel free to do whatever you want. But like, my goal is like, I want to be really good in the open. And so like, you have to like try and put aside your like temptation for like what's going to get me on king of lifts and like mm. what's going to like bring me clout and fame it's like i stop caring about that if anything i've learned in five years of lifting it's don't care about that it's so detrimental mm. and the thing is like people like i we literally just recorded an episode yesterday with michael and we were talking about that sort of thing like lifting for instagram and that and if you look at if you look at the best powerlifters in the world, how old are they? They're late twenties. Some of them, some of them are probably early thirties. Like dudes like Bryce Lewis and all those guys. I don't know how old he is, but I would assume they're late twenties. Those guys are still getting stronger. So if you're a teenager and you're trying to play this short game, this like impatience, this uh, eagerness, like you said, to get stronger, you're only going to hurt yourself in the long run. And I think one of the things that is so important is um, understanding that this is not a fast sport. Like you could, you could potentially play, um, you know, you could get super lucky in basketball and get drafted as at a young age, but it's not going to work the same in powerlifting. You have to do it for five, you know, however many years and, and you probably won't reach your peak until 30. So for you, that's going to be how many years, 17 years of training before you reach your peak. And, and, and that's, that's such a long time. That's so much training, but that's what it's going to be for most people. And like, of course, most people won't ever go to nationals, won't ever go to worlds, but it's still like your peak for you, you the best that you can be is still not going to be to your late twenties, regardless of what level you're at. So it's like, why rush as a teenager? And that's what I, that's what I see. Like the hyper specificity, like you could train, bench five days a week and do barely any comp any like back downs any accessories and you might not get better but if you just took a step back like what we were saying 
get a massive chest who doesn't want a huge chest and huge shoulders like it's sick so i mean you just got to look at it as over a period of time like look at your training career and i think some people are too focused on like the next week or the next block or the next the next record it's like what do you what sort of powerlifter do you want to be in 10 years do you want to be like how ronnie coleman is now who can barely walk and and this and that because they went crazy heavy on leg press and shit like that it's like look after yourself because in you'll regret it if you go too hard now there won't be a late peak in your 20s because you'll be injured or you'll you just the mental fatigue you won't be out you won't have the motivation so it's like yeah it's it's easy to go into the gym now as a teenager when you have all the motivation in the world all the testosterone in the world but what about in your late 20s when you have like a job and you're tired and you have a family and commitment? It's like, it's going to be way harder then. So save yourself a little bit for those times when you actually need the motivation and you need more than anything to be injury free because you just won't recover the same. Hey man, I'd love to live a Ronnie Coleman career if that's what it takes. I'll be triple. <laughs> if I'm an eight-time Mr. Olympia, I'll, I'll, I'll refuse to walk ever again. That's fine. I mean, um, and and he's an example. Obviously, he wouldn't have got to where he was without so that sort of crazy training. But here, he's my example of look what it can do. <laughs> well, I I think that like there's a lot of discussion on like why Ronnie Coleman is in the position he is. There's a lot of discussion for the surgeries. Cause like David Ricks is like 60 and still squatting 700. Like yeah. David Ricks is a competitive USA field lifter at 60. Like it's not inherently bad, like to lift the weights. No, no of course that's but, not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of the mind that I think Ronnie Coleman is as messed up as he is, is because of the surgeries. I think they've fused a bunch of his discs and they've like crippled him for life. I don't think it's from looking weights. Well, I mean, yeah, well, whatever the cause is, but like there, there has to be some, you know, and, and that video of him doing the leg press with like whatever, however many kilos it was, a thousand or whatever. I mean, you got to assume that that has some sort of impact on his back and that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not saying lifting weights is dangerous, but I'm saying play the long game. And obviously Ronnie Coleman was the top 1%. So if you're the top or not even, he's the 0.5%. If, if you're the 0.5%, go for your life do whatever you want to do like train as hard as you possibly can at all times do crazy stuff but for the rest of us and for most people it's going to be you need to be very careful and like look ahead look into your future and not even just about powerlifting do you want to be that dad who like can't play well with his kids because he really hurt his knee or really hurt his back it's like there's other things other than powerlifting and and let's say powerlifting exactly you you want to be able to do it for a long time or at least i want to be able to do it for a long time and i don't want to get injured yeah, I think injury is kind of like just a part of the sport, but like it's, I don't want to be crippled. No, exactly. Right. I want to still be able to yeah. lift weights in my 50s. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what about your numbers right now, man? Like, how's training going for you right now? Um, I've seen some pretty impressive lifts from you lately. I know you did a 300 pound um, overhead press, which is literally one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like, as a teenager, that's insane. Um, 300 pounds is what, like 130 something kilos? Yeah, it's like a 140? No, wait. I think 140 is 315, roughly. 140 is 308. Oh, okay, 308. Yeah, well, so about like 135, whatever. whatever, What is, did you like do a mini peak for overhead press or is that just something that you like linearly linearly got down to week by week? Uh, Yeah, so basically um, one of my days is an overhead press day. And so I peak it like I would any other lift. 
Uh, so it just peaks with the rest of my lifts. And at the end of my max week, I just hit an overhead press. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it went. Uh, I just kind of treat it like a comp movement kind of. And I see it done wrong a lot of the times and you look like you have your form pretty down pat. Uh, it was at the time I, I watched it, it was like pretty shaky and stuff, but that's expected under loads, especially vertically. Um, what are the cues and stuff that you use for it? Cause I know I see it and I think, oh man, that's not how you do an overhead press. Like, and there's, there's talk about like, uh, I think Sebastian Orov was talking about pushing the head forward or not. Like, so you go up and you like push the head forward at the top or whatever, but I've seen people say you got to keep your head back. Like what's your experience with that? Um, Sebastian Oreb, wildly underappreciated overhead presser. If we're talking power, oh, power man. I think that guy's like the yeah. best overhead presser in the world right now. Wicked. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think personally, I'm trying not to lie back because I think it looks ugly and it's less productive for my bench. Mm. Um, so I, I'm more of the methodology of like try and push your head forward. Um, like there's going to be some amount of lean to like get your chin out of the way and like you're going to lean back when it's like a hard grinder but like really focusing on not laying back and like trying to like get your head through as soon as you can um big brace squeeze your glutes uh make sure you bring it below the chin level i see so many people doing like nose level overhead presses and it's super dumb oh yeah what's with like unracking um i saw a video yesterday like a dude set the um the what the bar like up to eye level so he unracks it and the spotters are like right here and he's like here and he just does like this tiny little thing. It's not even off. Like I've seen like how I would imagine doing it. It's like, you want to do it. You want to start your overhead press, like where you'd start it, where you'd like finish a lap pull down. So you'd want to be like somewhere here to start the overhead press. But this guy's like starts it here and does this tiny little movement. And he calls it an overhead press. Like if you're going to train the movement, at least get a decent range of motion. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's like not a barbell overhead press. It's not really a, competitive movements there's there's not like a hit depth so nice. it's just like whatever you want to do and like i don't know if that's what that one guys wanted to do or like mm. if that's what he can do that's yeah. cool uh i'm gonna hold myself to like a standard that i think is like making it like acceptably hard on myself um but uh yeah i don't, I don't know i think a lot of guys cut their overhead press wrong especially if you're treating it like an accessory I don't know why you would partial rep something you're trying to build hypertrophy. You wouldn't partial, like you wouldn't do one like half rep lateral raises. If you're going to view it as yeah. a shoulder accessory, you're not going to go half rep lateral raises. So why would you half rep? And I think honestly, like it's probably more dangerous to not go through a full range of motion on your shoulders. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and you've seen a direct increase in your bench press from it or is it like you might, you think it maybe helps? Um, so part of it is like, I can't comp bench super comfortably three times a week. Um, that's just like, I like pinch my low back. If I like set up in like a hard arch three times a week, yep. it's something it's what prevents a lot of like bigger dudes from comp benching super often. I can't bench twice a week. Um, it's just like, what's more comfortable for me. And so overhead press just, but kind of became like my tertiary uh, upper body movement. Um, but I have seen like direct carryover, uh, from it whether or not people think that's possible or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that, man. I like that you admit that. And like, because some people would probably be scared to like some people, they just won't say their opinion if, if, if it's against the masses and that's fine. Like if you want to keep your opinion to yourself, but like I'm a, I'm the sort of person who was more than happy to share my opinion. And that's why I started this podcast and that sort of thing. But, um, I personally think that increasing your overhead press will increase your bench press. Uh, 
and it's not the popular opinion people will disagree with me whatever um it's also alpha as fuck to do a huge overhead press and i think like i would love to train overhead press more um honestly because i think it's a sick movement and like just because not a lot of people do it it's pretty impressive when you can hit two plates or you know there's only a few you know three plates or whatever on overhead press um but yeah, like I on I don't see that I don't I don't understand the hate against it. I think it's a great movement. I think it's a great muscle builder. And if we're talking about strength, we're talking about hypertrophy. So why not do it? Yeah, I think I don't know. I like I lift weights because it's fun. I like I think a lot of people get like too hooked up on like powerlifting and stuff. And like I just lift weights because I enjoy it. There's no I like don't the whole like bleed for this. This is ever like I just really enjoy it. So I'm willing to make sacrifices to and, like and try and be better at the thing I enjoy. And so what if you do one movement that doesn't directly correlate to bench press? Like yeah, it's fatiguing. But do you like let's say for example, do you think every single back down accessory you do is going to contribute to your top lift? It's like no, there's that's why you do specific stuff like Bulgarian split squats or RDLs. Like because some of the you know like take for example the very last accessory you do on a day is that really going to contribute to your bench press one way max? Do we really think that like lateral raise this is going to help my bench press? No, it's going to help my shoulders get bigger. So it's like if if you want to view the overhead press why not it's like you not everything that you do has to contribute to your one rep max i think once you do like we said before once you do your comp lifts and you do maybe that one very specific back down say you have an imbalance or weakness whatever the rest of it is just to try to get bigger and reality yeah i think oh as you say this is a kind of a broy meathead opinion but like every bodybuilder can bench five plates yeah Having a bunch of muscle makes your bench press strong. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> I mean, dude, look at um some of the the even some of the smaller bodybuilders who t- and I know like they take steroids and stuff, but dude, they 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 would be so much more impressive than a lot of powerlifters, and and powerlifters that take steroids. So it's like there are some bodybuilders and some steroid taking powerlifters that would have like the same bench press, and it's like you should not have the same bench press as a bodybuilder. If you're a powerlifter on drugs, you should have more. You should have a bigger bench press. So if you look at it like that and you think, well, I train for strength and this guy trains for size and we have the same bench press, maybe you should dial back on the specificity and try to... And that's the whole thing with like the the emphasis on the hypertrophy. It's like people, people will get too caught up in like, oh, I need the tiny bit more internal rotation on my bench press. I need to like, you know, like people, people want to be Sean Noriega on the bench press so bad. And it's like, you aren't, you aren't him. There's like two people, three people in the world that can look exactly like that. And if you're not, you should realize that you're not take a step back and try to bench press like a, you know, like a normal person and increase hypertrophy. Well, it's funny. uh, Oh God, what's the dude's name? Um, Do you know the 105 kg dude with like a 585 bench? Oh, what's his name? Uh, Is he, he, well, he mustn't be young. He must be older. Yeah, he's, he's the open. He's the best bencher in the open. Just no arch. Just absolute like just flat. meathead yeah. bench. Absolutely sick. So good. <laughs> Dude, people look at the meathead like ideology and they think, oh, it's so stupid. It's like so dumb. But it's like there are some gym bros who would outlift me, and I'm a pow- I'm a I'm a year round powerlifter, and it's like some of that gym bro ideology. Yeah, most of it's stupid, but it's like. I think, and it must be just because they train really hard in their accessories and stuff or do like way too many accessories or way too many sets. It's like, yeah, it helps. It can actually help. And 
and that's why that you can make gains even if you're an idiot because you some of the stuff that you might think is wrong might actually help like doing six sets of dumbbell press it sounds a bit silly but that that is what could help you yeah i think a lot of i think i'm very pro like bettering our knowledge of like how to create like a good programming structure and like we are we clearly have a f- really good idea on how to do an extremely efficient like sumo yeah. deadlift now and like we're building a knowledge base but also lifting weights not that hard at its core just try and do more than yeah. you did last week the number of like insanely strong people that are dumb as bricks is so much that it's like clearly this is not that yeah. complicated it doesn't have people to be that are complicated always, like, like i like oh like undulating phase periods like go lift weights just like go work hard and i guarantee you'll get stronger for a very long time dude when i write some of my off seasons for some of my guys it's like i think what's like fun you know what's what's going to make them and really enjoy this session like how can i get them the biggest pump possible in the off season because it's like that's the time when you have a break from you know people talk about oh i'm so drained from comp prep i'm so like mentally drained and then they come off and they start doing like four days of comp bench again in their off season. It's like, you were just talking about how it's so draining, like have a break from it. And cause like, I don't feel that way when I go into a, when I go into a peak, I don't feel drained or anything because I spend so much of my off season doing hypertrophy and doing uh, like tempo bench and close grip bench and uh, pause deadlifts or tempo squats. I spend so much of time doing that when I get to do a single, I did, well, I'm so grateful when I get to do a comp single cause I only do like three or four a year. And, and I, I perform well, like I don't, I haven't failed because of technique or anything like that. And I think, um, one of the things is like people, uh, emphasize comp singles all the time to in- increase technique or better your technique. But it's like, if you spend a lot of time in the off season doing stuff like tempo bench, where you're forced to better your technique or long pause bench, where you're forced to hold up under your arch, when you swap back to comp bench, it should be pretty easy. You don't need that much time, or at least for me, I don't need that much time to adjust back to comp bench. I only need to, like, I could do normal bench, like, you know, not paused or close grip for all year and then do an eight-week prep and I could be completely fine doing comp singles in comp. And it's like, I think some people overrate the, and it works for some people. Some people need that single exposure all year, but for the most part, and I'm speaking generally about like, teenagers you probably don't need to do singles every block you could like you can go blocks without singles you can go six months without doing singles like i did um no squat singles in six months between preps not a single squat single not 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 any any of them and then i went in and i squatted to the best of my ability and it was a great squat and it's like i didn't need that practice i just took the time to refine it with tempos and stuff like that in the off season uh, note on like my programming structure, a little bit weird. I don't really have an off season. My uh, basically, I'm just running like long meat preps over and over and over. Uh, my blocks are two and a half months long. It's literally exactly what I would do for a meet. I do it every time, and I just run it over and over. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I'm gonna need some more explanation on that. So they're ten week blocks, and you run them over and over. And do they all peak with singles at the end, or are they peak? <laughs> so all of them peak with singles at the end. And okay, so do you spend most of the uh, all of them RPE ten singles, or are they conservative at the end sometimes? Uh, hopefully, they're conservative. I'm not falling out every block. The goal is not to like grind one because I'll miss way more often than not. Yes. I'm not trying to miss ever. Um, 
So basically, I'll give a breakdown of my yeah, I'd love somewhat to hear it, man. Uh, so this has been like an evolution of a very long time of like how we do uh, our blocks is so usually it's nine to 10 weeks, it's three or four weeks of hypertrophy. Um, and then uh, three weeks of like a strength phase and then three weeks of like peaking like three to two ones at like a moderately heavy single. And I just ran that over and over making like slight, slight tweaks like if this went well, we'll just do it again. And if it didn't go well, we'll look at like what didn't go well about it like what it aspect single week or like what what went wrong and we'll make an adjustment rerun again and then as i've gotten stronger and making like every block gains has gotten like more and more like unachievable or like harder and harder uh we'll have like variation blocks where like last block i just did pause squats the entire block mm. um and then i worked up to like a moderate single on pause squats at like 290 kilos and you actually kilos. you actually you actually pause your squats you have like one of the better pause squats that I've seen because some guys will, dude, sometimes people do pause squats and they'll call it, they'll say like pause in the caption and I'm like, I've got to watch it three times. Where's the pause? Like if I have to watch it a second time to see where your pause is, you probably didn't pause it. And and you have yeah, like, like, such an honest pause in the bottom. I understand doing that for like, if you're doing a set of eight pause squats, you don't oh, need to sit yeah. down there for like a full yeah. three count or whatever. But if it's a single, I think some people... Some people, if some people get like really like, this is your seven rep squat wasn't long enough. Play. It's like shut yeah. up, dude. Like yeah. it was harder, which is what matters. Yeah, I'm but, talking like, single. Here. Yeah, it's way cooler just to do a long pause. So I'm just gonna do a long pause because like, like at that point it's like, it's like sometimes what you're doing. Like if I see perfect technique, even if it's like a four plate squat, I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Like perfect technique. And I don't want to go into the whole lifter A and lifter B thing here, but like I would rather see I'd rather see a little bit less weight on the bar, even if it's five or ten kilos less, but better technique or a longer pause. And I, I'm super biased because I always talk about training conservative um, and like not overshooting and stuff. But I'm super biased to like I will take off five kilos and I'll get rid of my ego so that I can, you know, hit more honest bench pauses or whatever. There's a time and a place to go all out and to put more weight on the bar. And I think the more time you spend without weight on the bar or with less weight on the bar, the more time you can spend in a peak, peaking better and putting more weight on the bar. Inevitably, in the end, you will add more to your total if you spend more time with like 75% or less on the bar. Yeah, I think um, if you like scroll through my Instagram, a lot of people have like a weird idea on my training because like basically every week, whatever I'm hitting is like a PR, like it's a rep PR. Yeah. And a lot of people think like, oh, you're always going like for like these rep PRs, you're always going like you're like pushing it. All of my rep PRs are like 60 pounds sub maximal. I could do five plates for 10 right now. And my PR of all time is 435 for nine. And I don't push it because there's no reason to. My, if I pushed a really hard set of nine, by the end of the block, my form's gonna be bad. I'm gonna miss. It's not good. Mm. That's what we've observed in my training. So I like hitting PRs, but all of my PRs were like wildly sub-maximal. I think a lot of people like don't know that. Like, I think I could have done two more, my best double ever on my squad. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think a lot of people like get this weird idea that I go, I, like I'm really like a, because I'm constantly hitting PRs, but I was like, oh yeah, like you train really aggressively. I'm training at like an 8.5 or lower the entire block. Mm. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, like, because I want to know more about this like 10 week block uh, theory. But it's like, I would assume you would spend most of it RP eight and under. Like, is the first eight weeks like just training volume, training hard on your accessories, and then you pull back a little bit in the final two weeks for that peak? Because, like, I can imagine with the way I peak, 
the last three weeks of it, I'm not making any hypertrophy gains, even three or four weeks. Like there's no hypertrophy gains. I'm simply maintaining the muscle that I have while trying to increase the specificity. Like I can't imagine that would be good to run year round, but you run these 10 week blocks and um, is the focus mostly volume and then you sort of pull back a little bit at the end for the single? Because I have to pull back a heap for my singles. Otherwise I just won't hit them. Yeah, I didn't even, I only started pulling back like within the last year. Before that, I was like training aggressively and hard. Like I was going into, I still do all of my like singles. I'm pretty fatigued. I'm going in like, yeah. I'll hit my max squat. And then two days later, later I hit my max deadlift. Mm. So like I'm going into that session feeling like not great. And I think that's part of the reason all of my meat performances have been really solid up to this point is because like I never train not awfully fatigued and so whenever i do actually like take my like five or six days off for a meet i feel like a god i feel so good because i like never hit anything that i'm not like wildly trashed for mm, exactly dude like that's what i mean if you train if you train like if you focus on volume and then you get every once in a while you pull back for a single it's gonna feel nice it's gonna feel nice to pull back off the volume instead of like training singles all the time and then having to reach super hard for your like one rep max or for your comp day. Like, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm just trying to say like the less you do something. Uh, so let's say the more you focus on volume, when you finally get to do a single, you pull back on volume. It feels really nice, right? If you do singles all the time, then you have to like go through this long process of like peaking and tapering and blah, blah, blah to hit a not to hit it like a better single. Whereas I, I, I agree with the training that you're doing where it's like volume focus, I'll hit a single at the end, I'll be fatigued, but it's still a single, it's still like a PR or whatever. And then we move on to the next block. It's not, you know, we don't, we don't kill volume gains just to hit like a nice single. We'll just hit what we can. We take what we can on the day because we know that we're tired from all the volume and we'll do it again next block. Yeah, I like if I don't hit a PR a block, but I, like I know I was stronger, I was like, oh, that was just a mess up on the day. I'm good. I just move on. Like, I think a lot of people will get, like, hung up on that. But, like, if I could, like, observe my training and my double was better than the block before, I'm stronger. I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, like, it's uh, people, you know, hitting, like, double and triple PRs, even, like, six, six rep maxes, that's massive. And it's another good way to track progress because, like, uh, for example, let's take my bench press. Like, I hit a six rep max at 145 last block. And this block... In the start of this block, I just hit uh, 130 for six paused uh, on my third bench day. So it's like, because I know what my six rep max is and I don't spend all my time focusing on singles, uh, it's a pretty good, although increasing your six rep max doesn't necessarily increase your one rep max. It's a great way to track progress. So if I hit 145 when I was peaked and I hit 135 in the second week of this block, I got a pretty good idea that my six rep max has probably gone up five kilos or seven kilos. And if that's gone up seven and a half kilos, then, you know, my triple probably has and my single probably has. So it's like we spend a lot of time building up that six rep max and then we'll do like a three rep max uh, and then we'll do obviously one rep max for my competitions. But yeah, I since I got a coach, I haven't um, peaked for a single except for in competition. So, I mean, and I'm injury free and I never fail a PR. I never do a block where I haven't had a PR and I think that's majorly contributed to the fact that I don't do singles for no reason. Like we do them for we do them for specificity, we do them for technical improvement when we can. Um, but 
we don't do it for no reason i would never have a block to hit a pr single if it wasn't near competition or in competition yeah i a little bit obviously i differ from that a little bit considering i hit prs no it's a traditional style of training and like what works for you is completely fine and and that's just like what but i think you're doing it well in that like you said it might be rp 8.5 i'm talking like doing a block just to hit an rp 10 single it's like yeah okay that might work for you but like pull back a little bit and and like you said go for an rp 8.5 single try to do it with better technique or do it lighter so that you don't have to deload for two weeks before you can start the next block like the at the end at the end of the day like how hard the last week of the block is and how hard you push yourself is going to have its effect on the following block like i just competed it took me it's taken me three or four weeks to get back to feeling near 100 percent. i feel like shit after i do a new one at max that's why we never do it and it's so it's like um you know let's say you have six weeks of a block or a 10 in your case if you go ridiculously hard on week 10 like you're gonna you might have to deload for one week and then go easy for the first two three weeks of the next block and it's obviously individual but i think you know i'll go a bit easier on my singles so that i can go harder on my volume yeah i uh i think it's it's a very fine line between like going too hard and not going hard enough yeah because like I go in, like, I just hit my, the first week of my new block and I like, I'm having a hard time walking today. My legs hurt so badly and I'm going to squat again in two days and it's going to suck super badly, but I know that that's, what's going to help me be a better athlete. But also I know if I hit like something super heavy and I try and do something else, I'm going to hurt myself. Like I'm not in a condition to go hard now. Exactly. Uh, And like, you know, I've overshot singles many, many times. I think. I think one of the I'm a fan of RPE training. I think the hard part is like so many athletes are so not advanced enough to actually do a good job of gauging their RPE and be like that was a seven point five. That was not a six. This is not like you. Dude, like, that was a nine. I said it before. That it's was like, a nine. <laughs> it's like are are you lying for Instagram or are you just so bad at your RPEs that you actually don't know that was like an eight and a half? It's like some people will say it's like a six and it's easily an eight and a half. It's like, are you lying for Instagram or do you just not know how, like, not that they don't know how RP works, but they don't know how RP works for their body and that sort of thing. I think, well, part of it is like, there's a really weird thing that like, it's very hard to like digest as a lifter of like a fast single doesn't even mean you have one more. There's really fast singles that I've hit that I couldn't have done one more. Like I've smoked it super easy, fast, clean, could not have done another one. Yeah. Like that's a really weird thing to try and like digest as a lifter is like, damn, that felt easy. I did not have another. And like, that's, that's weird. People will like try and debate me on my own lifts where I'll be like, this was a 10 and people are like, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, I know this. Shut up. If, <laughs> like, it's like, dude, if I'm going to say RPE 10 or 9.5 on a lift that was fast, you would have to believe like, why would I say it if it wasn't like it? Why would I like that's for example, that I find that funny that someone would argue about you know, like your RPE 10 lift. If you hit a nice single, and it was RP9. Why would I not say RP9? Why would I say RP10? Why would I put my RP up if that was a lie? So it's like, that is funny that like, and yeah, I understand because some people like, um, some of your training looks fast and it's like, I think you could have done another one. But if you said you couldn't and you're in tune with your RPEs, then I believe that you couldn't do another one. So I'm not yeah, going to try to correct of- you on it. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, like, like I'll hit, like, a super fast, like, blazing triple. And I'll get, like, yo, you have, like, four more. And I'm, like, I had one more. I know for a fact that if I did one more, I would have rounded my back, barely been able to lock it out, and that would have been the end of the set. I've done enough lifting that I know exactly what would have happened. Mm. You cannot disagree with me. This is my, like, mm. I know my own training pretty well. I think that, like, you got to be honest with yourself, man. Like, you obviously are honest with your training. I try to be as honest as I can with my RPs. And I, I obviously would never change it for Instagram because I think that's the stupidest thing. But like, and I think part of the reason some people think RPEs are different RPEs is because some of the people they watch on Instagram lie about their RPEs. And they're like, oh, well, my lift was about that fast. My lift looked like this. I guess my RPE is the same. And they've just been influenced by lying or other people who don't know what RPE looks like. And it's like, look at the scale and, you know, look at what an RPE 9 is. It's like, could not do one more rep, but could do tiny bit more load and find out what that looks for you. Take a single that's RP9, uh, uh, 9.5, where you couldn't do a double, but you could have probably do two and like two and a half kilo more and figure out what it means and like spend time stepping back, finding out what RP means for you. Because in the long run, like if you can nail RP, like I'm not saying that I have, but there are people who nail their RPs and it works so well for their training. Yeah, I uh, I think there's like a really weird concept of like once you're at a certain level of strength, the difference between a 9.5 and a 10 is pretty big because like the, the period that you could no longer do a double to an actually hard single can be like 20 kilo because like there's like, there's like a large gap between those two things. And that's a weird one. Also, people just like, I think can, I'm a fat, like I lift very quickly. It either moves pretty fast or it doesn't move at all. Uh, so like, that's just something I've learned with my own training. Like I don't hit that many, like super hard grinders on the main three, like maybe once in a while I'll hit like a disgustingly hard bench. Mm. But other than that, like I move like quick or I don't move at all. And so like, that's something I've learned about like my own training and I can adjust my RPE based on that. Like I can't fully trust the video where I can't be like that. Oh, that looks so fast. Mm. I have to be like, Hey, I know that like I would have pushed my shoulders forward and I wouldn't have been able to walk out that next bench. Yeah, and I think it's the thing like confidence as well. So I lack I lack confidence in the squat and I'll do a squat and I'm like, oh, that was RP nine and a half. And then I go back and watch it and I was like, oh, that was really fast. That was probably like an eight, eight and a half. And it's like, and it's a confidence thing too. Like I'll undershoot my squats because I lack the confidence. But there are, you know, I would rather lack confidence than have way too much and overshoot all the time. I think if anything, I probably a little bit too much confidence in my bench. Like I think my RPs for bench are pretty good, but I think... Um, if anything, I'm a tiny bit too confident and sometimes maybe it was an eight when it was, I said it was an eight and a half or the vice versa. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean like you, there's always going to be something that you struggle with and it's about like just learning how your body works. And like we said, proprioception of where you are and how you feel. And that's super important. I think people with athletic backgrounds are, tend to be a little bit better with that because they've, um, approached RPEs in different sports. So like a, rp 10 100 meter sprint that exists that is as fast as you can possibly go like they use percentage training in sprinting and it directly carries over like a 90 percent sprint i guess is like an rp9 lift so roughly yeah i i think there's like a two weird distinction that i don't see made often is like training intelligence and like training wisdom kind of where like you could know all of the training structure and like the phase wave programs and percent loading and all of that and do you know when like your low back hurts and whether or not that's dangerous, mm. like the different kinds of pain and like whether or not this is like a push through kind of pain or this is a dial back kind of pain. I'm going to go like, and say it. 
low back anything, I'm not pushing it at all. Like absolutely if, me too. Dude, I feel anything in my low back, and I'm bailing on that session. Dude, if like I'm happy to push like. Even I'm a bit iffy with quads because of like how they move with the knee. But dude, like if it's low back or I f- feel anything in my knees, I'm never ever going to push that set. It's never going to be worth it to me. As someone who's had like chronic back pain from being an idiot when I was younger lifting and then now chronic fatigue because of my leverages and now we finally nailed volume and the low back uh, fatigue is gone. If I feel that low back fatigue, I know I'm in the wrong spot. I know I'm where I'm not supposed to be. I don't want to be in that area that's going to fatigue my lower back because it's super detrimental to me. It'll knock me around for like a whole week. So yeah, I'm never pushing lower back anything. That was a bad example. No, oh, but also, no, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was a good theory. Bicep but... ten... Yeah, I get super bad bicep tendonitis when I let the weight sit into my arms when I squat. This yeah. is a thing I do all the time because it makes the bar feel lighter on my back. It's a really yeah. tempting thing. And I know when that happens... I just need to push through it. It sucks and I feel like nauseous, but it's a pain that's not going to get any worse. It's just going to suck for that session because I did something stupid. Yeah. And like knowing the differences of like types of pain and like knowing like your actual RPEs and stuff like that is like comes with like training experience and like it's like a wisdom that comes with training. And that's a really hard thing also. Mm. And it's a hard thing to admit that you don't understand. Like I'm happy oh, to admit yeah. I probably am not the like I'm probably. 60 70 percent good at rpe i still have a little bit to go i still have quite a bit to learn and like and because it i mean i've never done an rpe 10 squat so how the hell would i know what an rpe 7 is and literally like i've done like a nine and a half i've done a nine even in competition i think my last squat was like a nine so yeah my squat rpes are probably all too low because i don't really know what a 10 feels like um whereas i've done plenty of rpe 10 benches but just not squats I think people go in like the opposite direction on top sets versus like accessories. And like, this is something I've had to like bully myself about where like, I will be like, Oh yeah, that top set was like a nine. And I'll be like, Oh, that accessory was an absolute 10. But, like yeah. I probably no, had five more. I yeah. get it. Like I really could have done five more on that set of tricep extensions if I really needed to. Dude, it's like- and so like, no, sorry. Here you go. It's super hard to hold yourself accountable on accessories because, like, you, it's like that really, really hurt. Like, that was so hard. But it's like you could have done four more. I truly think you just could have done four more right now if I, like, put a gun to your head. Dude, I spoke to, uh, to Michael about this in the last episode. And I think Sean Noriega said it. It's like, yeah, you might be spot on with your top set RPEs. But when you go and do your accessories, like, was that RPE 10? Was that, like, set of leg extensions RPE 10? Or could you have done four more if you really tried and, did like maybe three quarter reps and that sort of thing. Like, are you really pushing yourself as hard as you could in your accessories? Like if you finish your session and you're like, I could not have done another, like another accessory. I could not have done another set of anything without technical failure. Like I pushed myself the best I can without being an idiot. Fine. But if you leave and you're like, oh yeah, that was kind of easy. Like if, if you're leaving, if you're at the start of a volume block and you're leaving workouts with like, heaps left in the tank i mean why do a volume block you're there to get super fatigue you're there to build muscle you're there to build volume strength so it's like dude first week volume like i had a four by eight on bench yesterday i didn't even finish the third the fourth set which is fine it's a volume block you're fine to you know i just we're trying to get my um adaptation to volume up so i did three and a half sets next week i'll do 3.75 sets and then maybe next week after that then i'll hit the, all the four sets of it four by eight it's like I did three I did three by eight and one by five. So I missed three reps at the end. Maybe I'll try to only miss one rep next week. But it's like, 
it's fine. That's fine in the off season. You don't have to hit everything. You can push yourself pretty hard, obviously without injury, but you can, it's fine to like, just push yourself. And I'm not saying overshoot. Like it, I didn't overshoot the weight. It's just that I'm not great at volume and I'm trying my best to get my volume capacity up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've never done a full RPE set of 10 on light leg extensions. I don't even know how awful that would be. Oh that no, that like was a bad example. Absolute yeah. Hell. yeah. No, like, I, get like pretty close. that's what I, that's what I'm like, hopefully trying to push myself to. But like, I feel like every time I get off the leg extension, I'm like, Oh, I had another, I like, I just, I, I, I was a finish. I could have done another. Yeah. And like, that's kind of like what I'm like, it's like this like perfect goal that I'll never actually achieve. Hmm. But like, it's this idea of like really fully pushing yourself. I mean, if you see a bodybuilder do like a hack squat, right. And you see like, they'll get to rep four and rep four looks like an RP 10. Right. And then they go and do another four reps. You think, wow, like that, that's an RP 10. That's what pushing yourself looks like. And I don't think that that's a, the best way to train as a powerlifter, but you want to be getting pretty close to like, I'd like to think people thought I was a body trying to be a bodybuilder when I did my accessories because of the way that I do with like form, I try to emulate stuff that I see, you know, I'll watch bodybuilders do their accessories and I'll go and copy them. And like, really I'm a powerlifter, but like we said, I'm a bodybuilder as soon as I'm off the barbell. Yeah. I think like, uh, that would be a really pretty good way to train for a lot of like powerlifters where like, yeah. if you're like, Hey man, like, what do I like? How do I change my grip to get my squat up to like 365? It's like, go just like brutalize yourself on for three sets mm. of leg, leg press. I guarantee you'll get stronger. Like, if you just actually push yourself super hard for like four weeks on like leg press, you'll be a yeah. stronger man for it. Absolutely. People Lord. are too caught up in like, oh, should I move my grip? Like, dude, someone will post, oh, I'm going to move my bench grip out like one finger. It's like, do you even do your accessories? Like you don't really have a chest. Why don't you spend more time doing dumbbell press and chest press and this press and that rather than focusing too much on like technical stuff, like moving your finger out when that's only going to decrease um, chest activation of the bench. It's like focus on long-term things, not these short-term fixes, like moving your grip out. Like, yeah, there's time and a place to do that. But a lot of the times when I see it, I'm like, no, you just keep it where it is do fix all these other things and that will fix itself i think this is something that i was kind of really hypocritical about in my own training was talking about like oh yeah just like put it in the work like but i think a lot of people like don't uh put in the work outside of the gym which is equally as important like mm. i didn't have my diet dialed in for like 99 percent of my training career absolutely like, i was just like eating a bunch of meat and like whatever I want. I wasn't, I didn't have any idea of my macros or calories. It was just like, I'm going to try and eat as much beef and rice in a day as I can. Um, and so like, I like, that's pretty, like, I think that's like something that I'm now like coming to terms with is like, Hey, I like was not putting in all I could cause I didn't push myself on every meal or like, I was not like getting in like 300 grams of protein every day. Like the, all of your, efforts in the gym are cool and all, but if you're sleeping for four hours a day and eating a deficit, you're not going to get big. Yeah. And so like, that's something that like I'm now like working on. I've always slept really good and I've always been really good on my mobility, but I think like uh, eating and like tracking all of my like meals and my macros and stuff is like the thing I'm now like starting to be like, Oh, this is something I need to do. It's like uh, somebody who was like really pursuing strength. Yeah. And it can take a while to realize like, I've been pretty good with my nutrition and probably lack with my mobility. Like I'm the opposite. Um, with my, you know, to be honest, I don't really do much mobility work at all. Uh, but 
with nutrition, I'm pretty bang on. Like maybe on a Sunday, I don't track, but I still eat good food. But the rest of the week, I'm tracking. I'm, you know, although my meals are pretty boring and maybe I don't get enough vegetables, like I'm hitting my macros and, and I should probably focus more on my micros. But I just posted on the podcast. I don't know if you saw it. It was like, if you're not tracking nutrition, you cannot complain about gains. Like you really can't say, oh, I'm not progressing if you're not tracking your food because you're not doing everything you can to progress. Like if you're not progressing and you aren't complaining about it, fine, whatever. Like who, you know, that's, you're obviously not that serious about it. But if you're like genuinely complaining or I haven't progressed in bench in like six months or whatever, and you don't track your food, that's a whole, that's 50% of your like gains come from that more, you know, whatever. So it's like, yeah, you can do all you want in the gym, but if you go home and eat like shit, it's not going to, you know, as a teenager, it might work for a while, but you come to like close to your first plateau, it's you're going to get there so much faster than if you track your nutrition. Yeah, I think uh, you made a good point, which is like, I always like give like really like strict advice of like, you should be sleeping nine and a half hours a day and like yeah. doing all these like things and like you should like really be pushing yourself, technical mastery and like all this stuff. But like, I'm also super okay if somebody just enjoys going to the gym. Not everyone needs to be striving to yeah. be like the best. I think a lot of dudes like look and like see guys talking about it and like, yeah, that's me too. It's like it doesn't need to be, dude. Like you can just have a fun time going to the gym and like trying to hit a deadlift PR. You don't need to like pretend you want to die for it. Like that's totally cool. It's not okay to look down on someone because they don't take it as seriously as you. Like you yeah. gotta understand and um people just don't care as much as you do and that's completely fine because they probably care more about other stuff that you don't care about maybe their education or maybe this or that and it's like not everyone's going to understand have the same feeling that you do about powerlifting and i'm not talking about you i'm talking about anyone like if you if you know someone who doesn't put enough effort in or like whatever you don't have to tell them because maybe they just don't care as much like i have one of my best mates he does powerlifting training i actually coach him but he just doesn't care about it as much as i do so like I put a hundred percent into writing his programs, but maybe he only puts 90% into doing them, which is completely fine. Cause that's what he wants to do. That's like, he works, he parties on the weekend. So it's not his main focus and that's fine. And I've had to, it was hard. Like I want him to put in a hundred percent, but I got to come to the conclusion that at the end of the day, he won't. And that's completely fine because it's not his life. It's not as important to him as it is to me. And yeah, I can't really understand not giving it a hundred percent, but he can't really understand giving it a hundred percent. So there's got to be a compromise where, um, I do my best for him and he just gives me back as much as he can, as much as he wants to. And I am completely fine with it. And it took me a while to realize, but now I just understand, like, I'm trying to think back before I had that, a love for powerlifting and that I'll do anything sort of for it to like get stronger. What was I thinking? Like before I had that, and so when I remember back, oh yeah, it was just like fun to go to the gym and hang out with my friends and train and get stronger. It's like, you know, sometimes I wish I could go back to that, but that's where he is now. And that's probably where he'll be forever. And it's just like, yeah, it's cool to get stronger and go to the gym. It's fun, but I'm not going to think about it after or before the gym. I just think about it when I'm there. And that's where some yeah, people yeah. are. And that's where some people will be forever. And you got to understand, you can't just like look down at someone who's like that just because they don't have the same vision that you do. And most of the time they won't. So I'm gonna grab charger. Hold on. No, you're right, man. I actually, I actually have to wrap it up, which is pretty good timing if you're out of charge. Oh, sweet. I have to wrap it up and go off to university. Uh, what are you getting your degree in? Uh, I'm in exercise physiology. So 
we st- you know anatomy biomechanics neural basis of science exercise health and disease i've got some pretty sports related topics and i think um it's making me a better coach and it's making me a better lifter because i can look at the anatomy i can you know learn how biomechanics works like you know but yeah it's fun i like it i enjoy doing it are you studying uh, no, I just work at a pizza place. Oh, cool, man. Well, that's everybody's different. Everyone's got some, <laughs> something else they want to do. I mean, I can see your future, you know. All it takes is one big sponsor, and I can see that happening for anyone like you. So, I mean, look at like Sawyer, for example. He's like, you're, yeah, probably, I, you're stronger than that. You're like as strong, if not stronger than Sawyer. And, you know, he's got, he just got lucky with Instagram or whatever it was. So, I mean. I don't know. I it's. I think Sawyer had a lot more things going for him. People are a lot more eager to follow somebody that looks like they lift weights. Oh uh, man. yeah. Well. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really. I I'm not super interested in like coaching or like even lifting full time. Like I'm totally fine with working like a bum job and trying to be like one of the best in the world. I don't want to depend on like Instagram followers or anything. I'd much rather just like work some sh- like some bum random job and be like just like the best that's really cool to me that's like, that, a, dude, like ray williams that dude will come out of nowhere hit a 500 pounds a 500 kilo squat and then go and do whatever else like he isn't you know like he posts sometimes on instagram i assume he has a normal job but he doesn't live for posting he doesn't live for the powerlifting community he just comes in smashes it and leaves and i think that's really sick yeah like him dennis and like yeah dennis even is a Dan huge Bell, one yeah like I want to be those dudes. Mm. I want to be someone who like doesn't depend on like external validation. I just want to be really good at lifting weights, enjoy myself and like yeah. just be the best. That's the goal. That's it, man. Well, um, thanks heaps for joining me this week's episode. Uh, yeah. uh and I'm going to put this one up next week. Cause you know, I just posted the other one yesterday. Uh, but have a great day, man. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, you too. Absolutely. Awesome. Have a good, good day, mate. See you later, man.